How could he be depressed? How could he be sad? After everything he saw, after everything he experienced, how could he be sad? He just stood before the king himself and told the king, it is not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. Three years later, it still hadn't rained. In fact, there wasn't even a drop of dew in the morning. That's how dry it had been. After three years was up, he stood before the king again and he said, King, prepare yourself. It's going to rain tonight. And it rained. How could he be depressed? How could he be sad when during those three years he he came upon a widow's house and he knocked on her door and said, please give me some food to eat. And she said, go away. I've got one jar of food left and my son and I, we're going to eat it and then we're going to die. We don't have food for you. Go away. He said to that lady, make me some food and I promise you will never go hungry. You will always have food. That night he, the widow, the widow's son, sat around the table and they looked at that jar that was now empty. What was going to happen? Would there be food in the morning? They woke up in the morning and that jar that they knew was empty the night before had food in it. And that happened for years. How could it be sad? How could he be depressed? Eventually that widow's son died. And he went and he raised her son back to life. How could Elijah be sad? How could he be depressed? He just witnessed the God of the world, the the God who created the heavens and the earth, he just witnessed him and annihilate this false god named Baal. Baal was this detestable god. Any foreign god, any false god uh, is detestable by God. But Baal was extremely detestable. Uh, Baal was introduced by the Israelites, or to the Israelites, by the queen of Israel, Queen Jezebel. Jezebel was not an Israelite. She was from uh, the northern country called Assyria. But in 870 B.C., King Ahab of Israel formed an alliance with Assyria and he took Jezebel as his wife. And she brought Baal worship into Israel. And not only did she bring Baal worship, but she also actively tried to kill all of God's prophets, which she did did with great success. Now Baal was, uh, like I said, a detestable God because how you worshipped Baal was you would go to God's temple where you would worship the one true God and you would sleep with a prostitute. Why? Because Baal was the god of rain and fertility. You think God sent a message without sending rain for three years? But that's what you would do. You would go to the temple, you would sleep with a prostitute, hope that uh, it, by some way it would arouse the Baal to send rain down on the land. And Elijah just witnessed God annihilate Baal and kill 400 of Baal's prophets who were leading God's people away. How could he be sad? How could he be depressed? Look at everything he experienced. The answer? 
He was lonely. He was lonely. He was faithful to God. He was doing God's work faithfully. And and no one listened. No one cared. And God seemed to not care whatsoever. God seemed to not be around and not working. And so he said, I'm done. I'm lonely. There's no one here with me. We've all been there before, right? If you're following along in your worship folder, that's your first point today. Uh, We have all felt loneliness before. For different reasons and maybe different circumstances, but we've all felt loneliness before. Maybe, maybe we felt loneliness uh, when during the workday we had great success. Something happened, uh, we did something great for our job, great success. Everyone's celebrating, giving us high fives, giving us pats on the back, and then we get home. And there's no one there to celebrate with because there is nobody. Maybe. We felt the pain of loneliness as our parents dropped us off at college that first day. And that first night, we were just extremely lonely. Even though we're surrounded by thousands of other students, we couldn't be lonelier. Homesick. Maybe we felt the pain of loneliness uh, as we come home from work, and though the house is filled with family, everyone isn't getting along. And no one's really talking to each other, and so you feel lonely. Maybe you know the, the pain of loneliness when a loved one passes away. Though, though people are reaching out to you, though you're surrounded by others, asking how can we help, we're praying for you, the pain of loneliness is still there. And maybe, maybe Satan gets us to feel guilty and that guilt leads us to loneliness as we think no one else in this world did, does what I just did. I am the only one that committed this sin except for the really, really bad people. No one can relate to me. I can't be real around anyone because I'm too bad. No one would understand. And we feel that loneliness. And the thing about loneliness is that when the chains of loneliness kind of wrap around you, they seem to get tighter and tighter. And the question is, how do we break free from that? Well, that's what we're here to answer this morning, right? How do we break free from loneliness? And to do it, we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to look at Elijah's life. 1 and 2 Kings are uh, books in the Old Testament, and they're written uh, basically a biography of everything that happened throughout Israel's history during the king periods. And in chapter 19, Elijah is a prophet of God, Uh, who, as I said, just confronted and just witnessed God annihilate Baal. And after he witnessed this, Jezebel said to him, Elijah, uh, may God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow you're not dead. And so what do you think Elijah did? He ran. He ran. He ran 200 miles south of, of Israel into the desert. And he climbs up into a cave. And here's what happens. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. 
They are trying to kill me too. Here he is, off in this cave, mad. He's angry. I've been very zealous for you, Lord, and look what it's got me. Nothing. I'm alone. No one cares about my message. And you, Lord, no offense, but you don't really seem to be working here. And so here I am in this cave. I'm ready to give it all up. Ready to die. We might not have been to that extreme yet. But we know what he's talking about. We know when we've been zealous and and God isn't blessing us. I've been very zealous for you, Lord. I've been very zealous. and, And look, I'm lonely. You haven't blessed me with a family of my own. Look, Lord, I've been very zealous for you, and look what it got me. My marriage ended in a divorce, and I'm lonely. Look, Lord, we've been very zealous for you as parents. We put your word first, we go to church, and we seem to be the only parents in our circle that does it, and we seem to be the weirdos. Look, Lord, I've been very zealous for you, and I'm excluded at work. Because everyone else, what do they talk about? All the times they get drunk and sleep around. And I don't do that, Lord, because I'm zealous for you. I'm lonely. I'm excluded at work. I've been very zealous for you, Lord, and you seem to be nowhere near. And the thing about loneliness, the thing about loneliness is that once the chains wrap around you, starts to kind of squeeze more and more, right? It's almost like a snowball effect. Once you start to feel lonely, you start to get sad. And once you start to get sad, you start to get depressed. And, and we know we should go be around people, but I do kind of like the loneliness. And the more we're alone, the more we seclude ourselves from others, the more sad and sad we can possibly become. Not always, but it's possible. That's what happened to Elijah. Elijah said, I'm the only one here. I'm the only one left. See ya. And he secludes himself. And what happened right before this is he did give up on life. He said, Lord, take me. I'm done. And he had suicidal thoughts. Why? Well, that leads us to our second point. And that is that when we are alone... The devil feasts. Earlier in our service, we looked at 1 Peter chapter 5, where it says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you've ever watched Animal Planet or Planet Earth or something like that, you've probably seen how how lions eat or or hunt. And we've talked about this before um, in, in one of the sermons, but... Lions, they don't go for an animal that's in the middle of a pack, right? Uh, Who do they go for? They go for the ones that are off on the side, secluded, alone, because they can overtake that one. And the devil works the same way. Uh, As we are all gathered today, he might be working a little bit, but he's really looking for people who are off on their own that he can come and destroy. Because what does the devil want more than anything? He wants to first 
lead us away from Jesus, and then two, destroy us. That's what He wants. He wants to destroy us both physically and eternally. And how does He do it? Well, He doesn't come necessarily like a roaring lion. He comes more like a friend at first. He comes, puts His arm around you and says, Hey, following God, that's not really getting you anywhere. You're kind of lonely. Why don't you give up, give in, so you can fit in? He comes, puts His arm around you and says, Man, you just committed a pretty bad sin. I don't think God can forgive you. Uh, So if God can't forgive you, you can't go to Him because you need to be perfect. Come with me. And then once He secludes us, He destroys us. And that's what is going on with Elijah. He's sitting there in the cave and Elijah says, I'm done. I am done. Take my life, Lord. And if it wasn't for the fact that God miraculously fed him, he would have starved to death. Because if you would, uh, just uh, earlier in the chapter, uh, God fed him by ravens uh, and he made him eat. Otherwise, Elijah was giving up on life. Because that's what happens when we are alone and we seclude ourselves. The devil feasts. And here's how God responded to Elijah. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah ran, as I said, 200 miles south of Judah. There's no one with him. No one even close to him. Hundreds of miles from from the nearest person. And God comes to him and says, What are you doing here, Elijah? You see, Elijah could outrun everyone else. He could outrun every other person, seclude himself from every other person, but there's one person he couldn't seclude himself from, and that is God. God was with him, and God makes sure he knows by saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? And that's your third point today. That's what we need to realize, is that in Christ, you'll always have God. No matter where you go in life, No matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you're doing, God is with you. And that kind of rolls off our tongue and and we're like, yeah, God's always with us. That's what He says in the Bible. But take a step back for a second and think about that. The holy and perfect God is always with you. How embarrassed would you be if your best friend found out some of the thoughts that you've had about them. Because let's be honest, even our best friends sometimes get on our nerves a little bit, uh, rub us the wrong way, and we've had not so nice of thoughts about them. Do you think that friend would still be friends with you if they knew some of the thoughts you've had? How about your spouse? What if your spouse found out all the people 
that you've looked at. And maybe even some imagine what life would be like if I was with that person. Do you think your spouse would stay with you if they knew all that? Now imagine God. God knows every single thought that you have. He knows when you're angry at Him. He knows when you're bitter towards Him. He knows the motivation that is in your heart. He knows every single action that you have committed. He's seen it. And if we can't expect an imperfect person who, who, who knows what sin is about and should understand that you know sometimes you have bad thoughts, if we can't expect an imperfect person to want to be with us and stay with us, how can we expect a holy and perfect God to always be with us who hates sin? The answer? 850 years after Elijah, one Friday afternoon, there was a man who was very lonely. Extremely lonely. Even though he wasn't physically alone, the soldiers surrounded him. There were women at his feet crying. There's a criminal on either side of him. And yet this man, Jesus, was extremely alone. And how do we know? Because He let us know. He didn't come out and just shout out, uh, I'm lonely. No. Instead, He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When God forsakes you, and He turns His back on you, that means that God has left you. You are alone. And what is that? That is quite literally hell. Hell is the absence of God where there's only loneliness and pain. And on that cross, that's what happened. God left Jesus. Jesus, the perfect Holy Son of God, the only one that really deserved God to be in His life all the time. God said, I'm going to leave you. Why? So that He can say to you, I will never leave you. You see, Jesus willingly went through that loneliness. He said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to suffer all this for you. Why? So that God will never leave you. At the cross, when Jesus shed His blood, He took all of your sins away. All of them. Each and every one of them. And instead, He gave you His perfect record. And so when God looks at you, He doesn't see all those bad thoughts that you've had, all the false motivation, the wrong motivations. He doesn't see your bad actions. He sees Christ's perfect record in your place. And God says, I'm never going to leave you. That day in the cave, God came to Elijah. But did you, know how, did you notice how He came? He didn't come in the fire. He didn't come in the wind. He didn't come in the earthquake. He came in His Word. In a gentle whisper, he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? How do you know that God is always with you? It's not by some signs. It's not by some wonders. It's by opening God's Word where He says, I'm always with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He, he brings His Word and connects it with the water in baptism where He washes all your sins away and He says, 
I promise you I will never leave you. That's what baby Henrik got promised today by God. God said, I'm never going to leave him. He is mine. And that's a promise for each and every one of you too. When you were baptized, God said, I'm never going to leave you. You're mine. I've put my name on you. And yet, we sometimes doubt that, right? We doubt that God is with us. And so what else does God do for us? He takes His Word, and He connects it with the bread and the wine, and He gives you Jesus' body and blood and says, I am with you. And wherever you go, I go. I am with you. Your sins are forgiven. Where you go, I will go. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's why Jesus suffered that. That's why Jesus went through it. And He willingly did it because that's the gift He wants you to have. And that's what you have. God is always with you. In Jesus, God will never leave you. What are you doing here, Elijah? Here's what Elijah had to say. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. It doesn't say this, and we don't know the tone, but you know, I kind of imagine that the first time Elijah says it, he's mad and he's upset. Uh, this time, I feel like after seeing the wind, the earthquake, and the fire, he's a little more humble, but at the same time, he's going he's to tell uh, God what he's doing there. And this is what he's doing there. God says, The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram, also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Shephet from Abel Mahalah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet... I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? You are not alone. There are 7,000 people who haven't bowed down to Baal, who haven't kissed him, who are followers of mine. What are you doing hiding up here? Go be with them. And that leads us to your last point. In Christ, you'll always have family. When the Holy Spirit worked faith in your heart, faith in your Lord and Savior Jesus, you were brought into the family of believers known as the Holy Christian Church. And you are connected to each and every one of them throughout the world. Yes, you have different cultures, different backgrounds, but you're all working for the same thing, and that is to get to heaven and to stay connected to Jesus. And that's what we're doing here this morning, right? Here at Peace. At Peace, we are a family of believers who get together to worship God, but also to encourage each other and be encouraged. So that we know that we're not the only ones going through life. That we're not the only ones who struggle. That we're not the only ones uh, who are living a life for Christ. We have a family that encourages us. And that's what Henrik was 
baptized into today. Not only God's family, but He was baptized. And when He was baptized, uh, it's a promise that we're going to be here for Him too. Uh, as long as He's living in Liberty Hill, because uh, <laughs> you know people travel all over the place these days, but as long as He's here, uh, you can bet that we are His family of believers who are going to encourage Him, who are going to be there for Him. And honestly, He's going to be there to encourage us as well. Because we're not alone. Just like Elijah was told there's 7,000, we're not quite that big, but uh, we're a family of believers who are following God. And that's true for all of you too. As long as you are here, uh, you can bet that we are here to encourage you as you walk with Jesus as well. And, And you are there to encourage us in our walk with Jesus. Today, we live in a world where we are more connected than ever before. And yet we're also lonelier than ever before. With all the screen time and and everything, everyone is secluded uh, and we're lonely. When you're lonely, open up God's Word. Let Him tell you that He is with you, that He is never going to leave you, He's never going to forsake you. And then come and rely on us. Surround yourselves with other believers who are going to encourage you on your journey. Uh, on your journey to heaven where He will bring you one day and there you will never be lonely again as you will be with your Savior forever. May God the Father who created you, God the Son who redeemed you, God the Holy Spirit who worked faith in your heart go with you this week as you know that you are never alone. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we praise and thank You that wherever we go, You go. We thank You that we are never alone, that You have washed us clean and You have taken our sins away and instead have given us the perfect life of Jesus. Uh, We thank You for going with us. We thank You for surrounding us with a family of believers to encourage us in our journey. Uh, Guard us from the chains of loneliness and help us to break free through Jesus. In Your name we pray. Amen.